0: Well, I want to thank you for being here tonight. And uh, as I think about the light and I think about Christ and I think about the hope that we have in Jesus, I think about how the world is perfectly willing to have a baby in a manger and maybe even bow before the baby in a manger in some way, but then walk away from that baby and not give the baby another thought. And the thing that we have to think about is the Bible and what it says about Jesus, how it presents Jesus, because Jesus didn't stay a baby. He grew up. He was a man. And uh, there are people that you will talk to from time to time, and they'll say things like, well, you know, Jesus, he was a good religious leader, a good moral teacher, he was a good example, but I'm not sure that we can ever really embrace him as God in human flesh. After all, Jesus never said, I am God. And he never claimed to be God, they will say. And uh, that is something that if you know your Bible, you know that that's true. He never said those particular words. But I want to call your attention to some scriptures tonight about Jesus just to make sure we all understand who we're dealing with here. We're not just dealing with something that may be a myth or a legend. We're talking about a real person who really invaded time and space 2,000 years ago that actually was born, put in that manger, that feeding trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes, but he didn't stay there. He grew up, and listen to what he had to say. If you will think about these scriptures, you might want to write them down so you can reference them later. In John chapter 10... The Gospel of John, chapter 10. Jesus makes a pretty startling statement. Now, we may just kind of fly over it, but uh, there's a lot to it. I and the Father are one. What do you think he meant by that? Well, some people could say, well, we just have a a unity and and an enlightenment and kind of a new agey type of unity or something like that. But all you have to do is read in the 10th chapter of John to see what the Jews thought he meant. And did you realize that for saying just that, they picked up stones and they were going to kill him? They were ready to execute him on the spot. Well, I wonder why they were going to do that. Maybe they just misunderstood him, but they go on to say, because he made himself to be God. And so John chapter 10, that's a strong statement and the original audience that heard him that day they knew what he meant and so don't try to impose anything or take away from that meaning that's exactly what he was trying to say that's exactly what he meant to say as he spoke to them I and the Father are one they knew what he meant and the reaction of the crowd tells us an awful lot about it now in John chapter 14 There's another statement that Jesus makes and he says this, if you knew me, you would know the Father. If you knew me, you would know the Father. Other verses in the Bible tell us that he is the exact representation of God and uh, that's what he means here. If you knew me, you would know the Father. To think that you could look at a human being and know the eternal God, the creator of the universe, the one that the Jews had worshiped for so long and to hear a man say that was startling to all of them even the disciples had trouble with that if you knew me you would know the father the same thing is true today how do you know the father how do you know the true and the living God you know him through his son the Lord Jesus Christ Jesus said I'm the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me Later, the Apostle Paul would write, there's one mediator between God and man. No, it's not Mary. No, it's not any of the dead saints or any relatives that you may have in heaven. Paul clarifies it for us. One mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, why could he be our mediator? Because when he came to earth and he put on flesh, lived among us, and lived a... ...perfectly sinless life so that he could go to the cross as our sacrifice. The guilty, uh, the innocent, pardon me, dying for the guilty and paying that in full... ...so that he could say, it is finished, the debt is paid. He did all of that so that he could, as man, stand before God representing us. And also as God, fully God, he could bring us to the Father... And he indeed is our mediator. You know the Father by knowing Christ. And Christ is the mediator. And he does that because he's both God and man. In John 17, before Jesus went to the cross, he was praying. And he makes another statement here. Glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world began. How bold to pray to God the Father, glorify me. And then to make it even worse, with the glory that I previously had when I was with you before I came to earth. That is an amazing statement. We heard earlier that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, who is that, and what are they talking about? And it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And so Jesus is making that statement here. I pre existed before I came with you, Lord, and I had glory then. I laid it aside when I came to earth, as the uh, Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, God in human flesh. That's who we are talking about. In the 18th chapter of John, Jesus is in the garden. The time for his arrest has come. And so they send out this crack squad of military people. And for these people, it was just another day at the office. It was just another arrest. No big deal. And they go into the garden to find him. And uh, one of the things about it is that Jesus went out to meet them. Now, how many uh, felons do you suppose go out and meet the cops in our world? Especially If they are going to be executed. And yet Jesus doesn't run. He doesn't hide. He doesn't cower. In fact he goes right out to them. And he says. Who are you looking for? Whom do you seek? And they said. Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says something there. That in English. We might kind of miss it. But the New Testament was written in Greek. And there's no question about it. When you read it in Greek. And in English. Jesus said. I am he now you would expect someone in that situation he would have said I think he went that way I saw him earlier but he's not here now but Jesus flat out says ego I me two words I am now some of you already heard that and you remember that back when Moses was meeting at the burning bush with God. When God says to him, I want you to go to Egypt, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses says, well, whom shall I say sent me? And the answer, God said, I am. The exact words that Jesus said when he stood before the the Marines that were coming after him, I am, ego imi, I am. And they fell over backwards. Amazing thing. When anyone would say words like, I am, the way Jesus did, and he does it several times in the Gospel of John, he is taking on the title of God himself, of deity, and he could do that without being struck by lightning or anything like that because that's indeed who he was. And so there they are, just another arrest by this cracked military squad, and Jesus comes out to meet them and says, I am. So, what does this mean? Well, in John 1, as we said, that Jesus is uncreated and he is eternal. Now, I want you to think about some things and then we'll be through with this part of it. This is kind of theology 101. If you want to know about Jesus, what does the Bible present about Jesus? Consider these things. There was a time when Jesus was God and not man, he's not always been as he was on earth, he's not always been as he is now. There was a time when Jesus was God, but not man. We find him in Genesis chapter one, and uh, the creation story takes place. He even says in there, let us, that's a plural, let us make man in our image. And we find out later on in John chapter one and in the book of Colossians, that was Jesus who was there doing all of that. So there was a time when Jesus was God, but he wasn't man. He wasn't human. However, got to consider this. There was never a time when Jesus was man and not God. Some people say that when Jesus came to earth, he ceased being God. Never, nothing could be further from the truth. This is God in human flesh lying there in a manger. So there was never a time when Jesus was man And not God. Now, in becoming man, nothing was subtracted. Nothing was subtracted. Now, he laid aside some of the rights and the privileges that he had as God, but he didn't cease being God. He didn't quit his deity or anything like that. He was God in uh, human flesh, fully God and fully man. But here's another statement you have to know too. In becoming man, there was no division. Some people think that Jesus is like 50% God, 50% man. No division. 100% God and 100% man. He was perfect humanity and undiminished deity while he was walking on the earth or he would have been in real trouble making the claims he made and doing the things he did. So there's no division in all of that. And understand this. His humanity was not deified. He was a man, a person just like us. That's why he could die on the cross. He bled out. He uh, felt the pain of all of that. That's why he had to rest. That's why he had to sleep. That's why he had to eat. That's why he had to drink. That's why he was in Samaria by the well. Because he was exhausted. He was a man just like us. At the same time, he was God. His humanity was not deified, it was just like us, and his deity was not humanized, not limited in any shape, way, or form, God walking in human flesh. And understand this, that when Jesus came to earth to live and to uh, be the Son of God for us and the sacrifice for our sins, it was, however, addition. As God, he became what he had not previously been without ceasing to be what he had always been now let that mess with your mind he did not cease to be who he had been or what he had always been he just was doing it in an earth suit this time humanity living here on earth and there's only one reason that he did that and that was because He was obedient to the plan of the Father. This is all about the glory of God, all about the plan of the Father. Did it include us? Yes, it did, but we were not the sole objects of this. Jesus died on the cross to obey his Father, to glorify his Father. He took the wrath of God. He talked about taking a cup, and he said, let this cup pass from me. And that cup was the wrath of God for our sins And Jesus said, don't leave me under your wrath. And so there was a time when Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then there was a time when he says, it is finished. And then he died. He paid the debt. He absorbed the wrath of God, the propitiation for our sins, theologians call it. And he did that so that God the Father could look at us through the blood of Jesus, through the perfect life of Jesus, and never turn his back on us. He turned his back, the Father did, on his own son so that he would never have to turn his back on those who put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about that tonight because Christmas is more than just all of the festivities. Jesus didn't come because we needed another holiday or a day or a time of rest He came because we needed a Savior. We needed somebody to pay for our sins. We needed somebody to bear the wrath of God that we would have suffered in hell for eternity. And Jesus is the one who did that for us. So I would like for us to consider the fact that Jesus, with all the things you may think about Him or you've heard about Him, think about this. It's what C.S. Lewis said Jesus is either Lord, He's who He said He is or he's a lunatic, he's a crazy man, or he's flat out a liar. Not just a good man, not a moral leader, not a teacher or anything like that. The three choices, the trilemma that we face, Lord, liar, or lunatic. So today, my prayer is that you will see him who he is as Lord, and you will trust him as the only hope that you have of redemption. I'd like for us to, bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. And I'm going to give you a moment of silence to think about what we're talking about, to think about Jesus. Do you know Him? Have you trusted Him? Are you serving Him? Are you living for Him if you do claim to know Him? And has the light of the Son of God come to shine in your life? Has the Word of God, is it a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, And do you realize that the people who have been in darkness have seen a great light, and that great light is Jesus? So would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And I'll lead us in a word of prayer in just a moment. And you spend some time with the Lord thinking about who He is, what He has done, and what all this means. come before you today because we know that everything else at this Christmas season seems to take precedence over you. And yet here God in human flesh invaded the world and did what man could never do, satisfied a holy God so that by faith through grace we can come to you and you will redeem us, you will save us, you will give us a new life. And you will give us a new relationship with God that will never change and never be erased. I pray, Father, that we wouldn't substitute dirt for diamonds. I pray that we wouldn't take the diamonds that you've given us in Christ and then just kind of play games and play marbles with diamonds. I pray that we would understand the value. I pray that we would understand the depth of what you have done that you have loved us with an everlasting love, and now in Christ you always love us, you always receive us. And for those who put their faith and trust in Christ, you come to live in them, and then at the time of our death, you accept us into heaven just as you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection. And we can't thank you enough for that, and we're overwhelmed by that. And when we see a manger scene, when we see the little baby in the feeding trough let us remember that is God in human flesh that has come to do what we could never do for ourselves so thank you and I pray for people who do not know you that you would convict them of their sins and draw them to faith in Christ and I pray for those who do know you that as we sing in just a moment As we light the candles, we will remember that the light of the world has been given to us, and that is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.